Amen. Church, you can have a seat. As you do, tell two people next to you, I'm ready. Say, I'm ready. We just sang, you're getting ready. You better be ready. This is it. We're 21 days of breakthrough prayer, and uh, today marks the end of the 21 days, but it marks the beginning of something supernatural that God is not just doing, but still doing and ramping up in our church, and I hope in your life. I hope the 21 days of breakthrough prayer has spurred you, your prayer life. Um, I, I've been very candid with you in this series, telling you that much of my life, and some days this still happens, when I go to God for a prayer request, it's because I'm in a crisis. It's because something bad is going down, and God, I need you to show up. And it's been this way, and, and, and I've been like that for much of my life growing up. In high school, I remember my buddy and I were driving in a vehicle. Well, he was driving, and I was with him. And we're driving, and my, my friend uh, hits a mailbox, okay? Hits a mailbox. You might think, ah, you know, I clips the mailbox, whatever. Well, we just didn't clip it. We, we nailed it. And it wasn't just a mailbox, but it was the most well-structured mailbox I've ever seen, literally surrounded with brick. That's the one we chose to hit. So uh, it, it literally totaled his car. And so we were freaking out. He was freaking out. Car could barely run. I, I'll never forget the picture. I'm, in, I'm, I'm sitting there, and he's, he's pressing on the windshield, which is shattered. He's pressing on it. You know how it just it's going back and forth, and he's just sitting there whimpering. And I, I immediately get very, very religious. And I'm like, God, I need you to get us back to our hometown, because we were out in the country. I said, get us back to our hometown. And God, if it's your will, and I know that it is, I pray that we don't see a cop along the way. Now, you might be thinking, well, what's the big deal if you see a cop? Just trust me, it's best if we don't see a cop along the way. Some things you don't need to know. But we didn't want to see a cop. We were going, and we're traveling, and we get two miles out of Salem, South Dakota, and the car just stops. It's done. It can't make it anymore. So I ramp up my crisis prayer life again, and I'm like, God, we're on this, some desolate country road, two miles from Salem. We have to get home. We can get a vehicle to come out and tow this thing or whatever, but we just need to get this thing off the road. And God it's like, it's like he just literally listened to me and heard my prayer. Because there no one, no cars on this road at all. And all of a sudden, as soon as I pray the prayer, there's a, we see headlights coming. And I'm like, Father, you, you're, you're so good to me. I mean, it's an angel literally puts a car down and it's coming towards us. We're out of our car. We're like waving it down. We're like, this is it, this is it. And the car is getting closer and closer and closer. And as it got closer, I noticed that this car was different. Like it had lights on top and extra antennas. And I'm like... Are you kidding me? God, that thing about you being good? Okay, I take it back. What in the heck? Of all the, of all the cars that could be coming down this road, it is a cop. So the cop pulls in, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, thank God I wasn't driving. Sorry about my friend's luck. But so my friend, get, we're out of the car already. My friend's talking to the cop, and I'm like, you know, I'm out of the vehicle just standing there. And here's what happens. Another car comes along the way, and it's a friend that we know. And he stops, and he's like, hey, he goes, what's going on? I said, well, we got in a fight with the mailbox, and obviously the mailbox won. You know, this mailbox, the, the big bad wolf wouldn't have a chance against this mailbox. I'm telling you, you can huff and puff all you want. It was literally a house with a mailbox in it. But anyway, that's a whole other story. So my buddy's like, well, do you want to ride back to town? And I'm like, and in my head I'm thinking, gosh, do I just leave my friend? He's over there talking to the cop. And I look at my buddy here, and I look over there, and I'm like, Yes, I do need to ride back to town. So I jump in the vehicle. We just take off. And not, not, there's a motto that guys have. You don't leave your wingman. Okay? You never leave your wingman. Okay, that night, I literally threw that motto out the window. I could care less. I mean, my friend was fine. He, you know, he eventually got out of jail. But anyway, so it was... It, but that's me. That's my prayer life. It's like, God, I need you to get me out of this situation. God, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. And maybe... 
Maybe you can relate when I say those things. But for me, it was always about God, do this. God, heal that. God, show up here. It was about a result. But if we're learning anything in the series Breakthrough Prayer, we're learning that prayer is not just about a result. It's about a relationship. Like, it's about a relationship. See, my relationship with God was very conditional most of my life. It, it was like, God, when, when I need you, uh, you know, I want you there for me. But other than that, when things are good, God, you know, you do your thing, I'll do mine, we'll be good. There was no relationship, it was results. But prayer is not about a result, it's about a relationship. I'll boldly tell you right now, I'm not even going to wait to get into the meat of the message. God wants a relationship with you. He desperately wants a relationship with you. Not one where it comes and it goes and it's conditional, but one where it is every day you and him connecting. And when you have that, it will change you. And as I pray for you and me during this series, I pray that's what God is doing in your heart. This series, if you're new, by the way, welcome home. We're super excited that you're here. I will tell you that in this series, Breakthrough Prayer, we're looking at a prayer that Jesus taught. It's a prayer that you, pr you prayed earlier or read right off the screen. The Lord's Prayer. It's not called that because he prayed it. It's called that because he's the Lord and he taught us to pray it. So Jesus taught this prayer, and we've literally taken it like scripture by scripture, verse by verse in the series. So what we've been doing is reading it together once again. So if you would, read it with me. This is out of New King James, so it might sound a little different in areas, but it all means the same thing. So we're going to read it collectively, and then I'm going to tell you what verse we're looking at. And God's going to, well, God's already showed up, but man, God wants to do something in you today. God wants to bless you for being here today. I told you, God wants a relationship with you starts today let's read this nice and loud together can we ready our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And amen. So, today we pull apart verse 13. One of the final verses in this prayer. I'll read it to you again. And do not lead us into temptation. But deliver us from the evil one. And you read that and you might think, wait a second. God leads us into temptation? I'm like, God, seriously. I don't need you doing that. I get in enough jacked up situations all by myself every day. I certainly don't need you leading me into more of them. God, why would you tempt us? I don't get it. You're God. Well, wait a minute. God didn't, Jesus didn't say that God tempts us. We're, we're praying God don't lead us into temptation. And some of you might even push back on that. Well, wait a minute. God would never lead us into temptation. God would never do that. But if we look at scripture, I, I, I can show you something that show you that it might just happen. Like Jesus, when he was on earth, he was fully human. Fully human. He related and related to so many things that you struggle with, uh, so many things I struggle with, which is a lot. Look at, before uh, chapter six, we, we go to chapter four, when Jesus first came on the scene, he was baptized. After he was baptized, listen to what it says. Matthew 4.1. Then Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit, which is God, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Hmm. God literally led Jesus into temptation. 
in, if, if we're reading scripture here. Now, so, so whether you want to maybe say, well, God shouldn't allow temptation or God doesn't uh, let us yield to temptation, I'm telling you, God, God is good. We're not debating that. God let, did God have something bad in store for Jesus? Absolutely not. Was God doing something uh, in that moment? Was he intentional about leading his son into the desert? Absolutely. I can guarantee you in that moment in the desert, Jesus was being strengthened. Jesus was in his training. Jesus was, in, Jesus was preparing, you could say, for his purpose. That's what's happening in the moment. That's what's happening there. See, God, I love this, God will never lead you where his power cannot enable you. Okay? God will never lead you where his power cannot enable you. It's so, and, and, and we all know this. You've heard this before. Our tests, well, what do they lead to? Your testimony, don't they? Your, your, your pain many times turns into what? Your purpose. The struggle a lot of times makes you stronger. That's what we find out when we go through these tough, or these tough times. And you might think, well, gosh, if that's all great and temptation help build us up, why don't we pray that God lead us in temptation? God, lead us into struggle. God, bring on the pain. Why don't we just pray that? Okay, because we're not psychos, that's why, okay? Because you're not insane. Think about it. So Jesus, what's so key about this is Jesus was literally led into temptation. We just read that. Now Jesus is teaching a prayer that says, let's pray that the Father doesn't do that. Do you think Jesus understands something about temptation? Do you think Jesus knows that temptation, my gosh, it is going to take people out and take people down. Do you think it was hard for even Jesus? I mean, he's Jesus in the desert. Certainly it wasn't difficult for him to rebuke the devil. I'll guarantee you it was hard. He was fully human. So Jesus knows something about temptation. And he's saying, you know what? I'm just saying, guys, let's pray that the Father doesn't do that. Because you're going to find enough problems on your own. You're going to find enough temptation on your own. So if we can, let's pray, God, don't lead us into temptation. Don't do that. And thank God, and we all know, God will never give you more than you can handle. Wrong. It's not even biblical. But we say it, I hear people say it all the time. I've said it before. But I'm telling you, God gives you more than you can handle. Does anybody remember, like, the toilet paper crisis from a month ago? Remember that? See, that was... I, it, when we were all hoarding toilet paper and out of our minds, that was more than I could handle. Like one day, it was really more than I could handle. I literally go to Sam's Club because the supplies at the Gannon household are getting low. Okay, it's almost like like um, panic level. So I go to Sam's Club, nothing. Go to Target. I thought God hung out at Target because that's what I've heard. So I go to Target. God ain't there because there's no toilet paper. In fact, I, do I have that picture? Did I put it in there? I literally took this picture at Target. Look at this. That's what I saw. I mean, what is wrong with you people? Why were you doing this? So I was so distraught. And you know what this led me to? Sin. Because you know where I went next? Walmart. Okay? Seriously, God, why have you forsaken me? I'm just literally crying out to the Lord. What, what is happening? It was nuts. I remember like literally seeing the rolls of toilet paper in our household like, get less and less. And people were like reaching out to neighbors and friends bringing over toilet paper. I almost called a meeting. We didn't do it, but I almost did because it was getting serious. We're down to like two rolls. I'm like, we got to get serious about this as a family. What are we going to do? And I had rules in my head like, all right, family, the first thing we're going to do, we, we have to ration our squares, okay? We need to be efficient here, okay? Stop wasting. Number two, you know what it would have been if we would have done this? 
We need to use public restrooms whenever possible, okay? We need to take advantage of what's happening. Kids, when you feel something coming on, jump in the car. Let's go to come and go. It's three miles away. Boom! Just save some toilet paper, right? I mean, you're so, so thankful I didn't have this, this meeting. Third, the biggest one was this. We got to stop eating at Taco Bell, okay? It's killing our supply, okay? It's just, you know, it's just, you, you, whatever. So, um, God will give you more than you can handle. Not more toilet paper than you can handle, but he will give you more than you can handle. It's all over the word of God. I wrote down a few names. Abraham had more than he could handle. So did Paul. So did Jacob. So did Esther. So did David. So did Saul. And so did Jesus, if you want to think about it that way. He'll give you more than you can handle. You want to know the correct context of the scripture? It's 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 13 through 15. And remember, say remember. He wants us to remember this. This is important that we know this. And remember, when you are being tempted, don't say God is tempting me. Remember, God doesn't tempt you. God doesn't directly tempt you. That does not happen. God is never tempted to do wrong. And here it is. He never tempts anyone else. So if you ever wonder, does God tempt me? No, he does not. Scripture just told us. Verse 14. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. There's a, a book that's well-renowned, especially in leadership circles, called um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And Stephen Covey, the, the author, he, he lists these seven habits. And the, the habit number two is begin with the end in mind. Start with the end in mind. In other words, when you're, when you're going to make a decision, when you're going to do something, understand where that decision will most likely lead. See, if we do that when it comes to temptation, you will save yourself a lot of pain. You will save yourself a lot of heartache. I, I noticed a pattern when I read what I just read to you out of, out of the book of James. James, the half-brother of Jesus, by the way. I, I wrote this down. I said, we see temptation as a single act. Like, oh, I was tempted, and I acted on it, and now it's done. Temptation is not a single act. There is a process. Say there's a process. You're watching online right now. Type, there's a process. Type, there is a process. There are stages to temptation. And if you start with the end in mind, you will catch yourself. You'll know what stage you're in. And some of the stages, they're not bad, but, but you eventually you hit a stage where sin enters the picture, and I'm telling you, that is not a good place to be. And I'll show you that. So I pulled apart James. I looked at it, and it hit me. I'm like, this is the pattern. This is what almost everybody goes through when they're tempted with something. And here's what's really cool is, is there's four different levels or stages I'll show you. And check this out. Every one of the stages, I, I got them to start with the letter D. And that just makes pastors feel good about themselves. So, I mean, I, I just, I'm just really happy about that. So, you'll see. Like, the first one is desire. Say desire. Does it start, so you have a desire. It starts with desire. Remember what I read? James 1.14. Temptation comes from our own desires. It says it in the word of God. We, and desires are normal. Right? Desires are a good thing. I, put, I wrote without them, we'd be in trouble. Right? You ever felt hungry? Well, that's a good thing. <laughs> During fasting? Yeah. So hunger... Right? It leads us to, to eat. And that keeps us healthy. That keeps us alive. Without that, without that, that desire of hunger, you'd die. Without fatigue. Without fatigue, you would never rest. You would wear out and you would die. Do you see how it works? Without, without sex. 
every day. You would die, okay? And all God's men said? No one said amen, okay? Leave me hanging, that's fine. That's fine. Thank you. I'm trying to help you guys. Jeez. Anyway, maybe you wouldn't die, but I mean, you come close. So any, but any of those things I just said done outside of the will of God, think about it. Hunger can lead to gluttony, right? Rest, can lead, it can lead to laziness. Sex can lead to lust. This is how it works. I wrote down, our desires should serve us, not the other way around. So your desire should serve you. Okay, not the other way around. It starts with desire and it leads into a deception. Say deception. Uh, right in the word of God, I'm just reading out of the word here, reading out of the word of God, the, the desire which entices us and drags us away. It entices us and drags us away. It's so interesting. Temptation never appears as temptation, does it? It doesn't. It's not like, gosh, I'm being tempted. Most people don't recognize they're being tempted when they're being tempted. The, the, the interesting thing about the word entice, in the original Greek, the word entice, check this out, means to bait the hook. That's what it means, to bait the hook. Deception is the bait, and it hides the hook. See, a fish, think about this. A fish is not just going to bite on a hook, a lone hook. Okay, unless the fish is completely stupid, then it might, okay? Or the fish lives at Trout Haven. Have you ever heard of Trout Haven? Is that just a South Dakota thing? Maybe it is. Let me explain it. So they stock this pond with a bunch of trout, and they must starve them for, you know, years on end because these trout will eat anything. And it's a tourist attraction, and it sucked us in. And I remember bringing the kids there when they were younger. I'm like, all right, we're going fishing. We're going fishing. So we go to Trout Haven, and I kid you not, we pay for the poles, we pay for the bait, and I'm walking with my kids and Jody. We're walking to where the, where the fishing happens, and I look at the bait, and you know what it was? Corn. Like, like kernels of corn. I'm like, are we going fishing or feeding the chickens? I don't know. What, what are we doing here? So I'm like, making a corn? Okay, I'm expecting no minnows, no, no worms, corn. I said, what kind of a stupid fish would eat corn? So sure enough, put the corn on the hook, drop it in the water, a point seven seconds later, fish. I'm like, oh my gosh. Jake was so proud. He's like, Jake's like, dad, I caught a fish. I'm like, yeah, Jake, way to go. But in my head, I'm thinking, my gosh, what would really impress me is if you didn't catch a fish because everybody in the history of Trout Haven's caught a fish, right? I mean, you can't go there and not catch a fish. So if you ever want to fish and have a, have a sure deal, that is, they would literally, you could put a turd on that hook and I'm convinced you'd catch a fish. You could. It is insane. I just, they'll eat whatever you put in the water. But so I can't remember why I was telling you that story. Uh, it was good. Oh yeah, 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 the hook, bait the hook. Okay, repeat after me. Don't take the bait. Online, you're watching, you're listening. If you're watching, type it in comments. The title, don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. The bait looks so good. It looks so alluring, right? Temptation never looks like temptation. The, David, a king of Israel, he's come up a few times in this series. I love it. David, oh my gosh, David would have never taken the bait. I wrote down, when David saw a woman bathing, he would have never acted on the desire if he would have seen the hook, if he would have seen the end, remember, start with the end in mind, if he would have seen the end of the story. See, what started as instant gratification for David never ended up that way. You know how it ended up? If David would have saw the hook beyond the bait, 
if David would have saw the end of the story, if he would have started with the end in mind, you know what he would have saw? He would have saw a dead baby. He would have saw a man murdered, a brave soldier murdered. He would have saw his daughter, his daughter, horribly violated. You think if David saw those things coming, he would have ever taken that bait in the first place? I guarantee you, he wouldn't have. The bait keeps us from seeing the consequences. It does. The bait will keep you from seeing the consequences. It starts with desire. It leads to deception. And ultimately, and so far you haven't sinned, by the way. So far, you, you, you can, there's still a way out. Remember what the word said? God will always show you a way out of your temptation. He always will. At the desire level, there's a way out. Even at the deception level, there's a way out. But once you hit level number three, well, you've crossed the barrier. It's not a sin to be tempted. Jesus never sinned. He was tempted all over the place. Never. It is not a sin to be tempted. It's not a sin to be deceived. It's a sin when you act on it. Say disobedience. Disobedience. See, when that kicks in, well, you've crossed that line. James 1.15. These desires give birth to sinful actions. Now you've sinned. Now you've gone there. We've moved from intellect. We've moved from emotion to the will. And that's where everything changes. I wrote it down. Oh, this is so big. Hear this. So here, Please hear this. Christian living is a matter of the will. Not of your feelings. If, if, if we could help, if we could get this, it would change your walk with the Lord. It, it would change your life. It would, it would show you more purpose. It would guide you to more blessings. It would show you abundance like you've never seen before. It, walking with Jesus is not about your feelings. It is a matter of the will. Children base decisions on feelings. That's what they do. Children do. You, if you had kids or you've had kids, you know it. It's like you ask them to do something. Well, why didn't you, why didn't you clean out the dishwasher? Why didn't you take out the garbage? Why aren't you doing your homework? Well, I don't feel like doing my homework. And then I normally say, well, how do you feel about being grounded for about a month? Well, all right, all right, I'll clean my room. I say, yeah, that's what I thought. Clean mine while you're at it. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, they just base decisions on feelings. But, but, but followers of Jesus, we can't do that. You'll never consistently walk with the Lord. Well, I don't feel like, I don't feel like going to church. If, you, if it's based on your feelings, I'm the pastor and there's days I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like reading the word. I don't, I don't feel like serving. Are you kidding me? I don't feel like giving. I don't feel, whatever. You can put whatever in the blank. I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like, you cannot base it on feelings. You will, it'll, you, your journey will always be like this and it'll always just leave you waning in the end it will it's so key it's a matter of the will it's a matter of the will heck feelings i didn't feel like shoveling my 12 inches of snow out of my driveway you know what i'm saying well snow blowing 12 inches of snow but still i didn't feel like doing it so i had my wife jody do it so i'm just kidding i'm just kidding i just waited for my neighbor to do it okay i'm kidding okay yeah i could keep going i could just keep like, anyway so we don't have time for all that so um there's things I don't feel like doing. There's things you don't feel like doing. But walking with Christ isn't about feelings. It's a matter of the will. It's not about emotion. Listen to me. Never let your emotions lead you. Oh, my gosh. Never let your feelings lead you. Your feelings will, they, you could easily end up in jail following your feelings, okay? There's <laughs> never, never, never. One of the main points that I knew had to be one of the main points today is this. Never make a permanent decision, David, 
Saul, I could go on and on. Never make a permanent decision based on temporary feeling. Never. Never. I'm talking to a good friend of mine, and we talked about this, and he's going through a hard time in a relationship. And, but a lot of that hard time is based on a temporary feeling and making decisions on it. There's a lot of people that are, that are in jail because they made a permanent decision based on temporary feeling. A lot of people in rehabs right now making permanent decisions based on temporary feelings. Heck, there's a lot of people in the graveyard right now who made a permanent decision based on a temporary feeling. Interesting that we bring up graveyard because it leads us to the fourth stage of temptation. Say death. Mm. It isn't us saying it. It's not me saying it. It's the word of God. And when your sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. I mean, it might take months. It might even take years for that sin to come to a maturity. But when it, when it does, the end is always death. The, I, I love saying it. Temptation will fascinate you. It does. It's alluring. The bait looks so good. That's what the devil will do. That's what he's in the business of doing. Never make a, a permanent decision based on a temporary feeling. So it looks so good. Te- temptation will fascinate you, but then it will assassinate you. It's what it will do. Death, I'm t- the Bible, Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that seems right to a man. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. It's so, and this is, this pattern, these stages that I'm showing you, it isn't just like for certain things. You could put this in almost every level of anybody struggling with temptation. Desire, deception, disobedience, death. Desire, deception, disobedience, death. You could go all the way back, way back to the first temptation ever. Adam and Eve in the garden. It fits like a glove. Look at this, I'll show you. Genesis 3 is where the fall happens. Sin enters the picture. It, uh, Genesis 3, 5. This is the evil one speaking to Eve. What does he do? All he does is lie. That's all he does. For God knows, Eve, that when you eat from this tree, well, your eyes will be opened. And you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. He makes it sound so good, and he makes it sound righteous. Like, you'll justify it. It's like, dang it. Uh, so I'm going to know more? Well, that's good. God wants me to be knowledgeable. What? I'm going to be like God? Well, that's the goal of Christian living is to be more like Jesus. That sounds good too. Ah, uh, he's a liar. The next verse, check it out. Temptation never appears as temptation. It never does. If you, if you knew you were being deceived, it wouldn't be deception. Genesis 3, 6, the very next verse. Look what happens. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good and pleasing to the eye, listen to this, and also desirable. There it is. Also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took the bait and she ate it. Desire was there. Deception from the evil one was there. And now Adam and both Adam and Eve have entered into the world of disobedience. And you know what the next stage was? Remember what it was, right? Death. Death enters the picture. Death was never supposed to enter the picture. Did you know that? They were in a perfect place where the perfect God is perfect people. That was always the goal. Always the goal. But as soon as, as, soon as, they, as, soon as they took the bait, you know what immediately happened? They were separated from God spiritually. They were separated from God physically. And death was upon them. 
it's, it's, and do you think Eve, do you think Eve in the moment, and Adam too, do you think they would have bit, bit that fruit? The crazy thing is they knew. This is how insane our temptation, when it gets in our head, and that's where it starts. Think of this. A few verses before, God literally laid it on the table. He told them. God's not going to set you up for failure. He's going to tell you, I love you. Remember, I want a relationship with you. Don't do this because it's going to hurt and it's going to separate me. Do this because I love you and I want you to live an abundant life. He told them. I will go back a few verses. Genesis 2, 16 and 17. Guys, you can eat from it all. It's all yours. It's all beautiful. It's all good from every tree. But just don't do that one. Why? Because I love you. I want to live with you forever. I want you to be with me and me with you. I created you for me and me for you. Don't eat from that one. That's the, that's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And, and the Lord doesn't want to play games with you. He wants you to know. He says, listen, listen to this. If you eat the fruit, you're sure to die. Like, it's not, it, maybe you'll die. Well, you might die. Well, you might just get sick. No, he says, you're going to die. How in the world can you hear this and just moments later, you're eating from the tree. And isn't that life for you and for me? That the devil, the evil one, is so cunning and so conniving that we can literally get a word from God in church. Literally in the moment. And we can walk out there and 10 minutes later, you're flipping people off in your car, Bryce. I've seen you do it 100 times. I'm just kidding. So, you know... It's just what in the, what just happened? Deception happened. Desire happened. Disobedience happened. Do you see it? Oh, this is good. So the bait, the fruit was good, right? You'll gain knowledge. You'll be like God. It's such deception. But God told them, and they were separated. And here's what's crazy. Paul, who was a, a, a horrible sinner at one point, became an incredible Christian at another point. This guy gives me such hope. Paul wrote a bunch of letters that are included in the, in the New Testament. One of them's Corinthians, and Paul's writing to a church, but to you and I. Listen to how he uses the story of Adam and Eve to tell the Christians to be careful. This is so, see, what I don't want you to believe as a follower of Jesus, and where I think we get deceived a lot is, you know what, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, I'm good. I mean, nothing's going to knock me off, I, 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 can't, I can't be knocked off track, everything's going to be fine. Let me tell you, when you're a believer of Jesus, that's when the war begins. That's when the battle starts. Why would he say armor up in the armor of God? He's talking to Christians. And I always get so worried when Christians are like, well, nothing's gonna, nothing can deter me. Nothing can knock me off the path of God because I'm, I'm with God. Well, you can't get knocked off the path, I'll tell you that. I've seen it happen all the time. And, and not just I've seen it happen, Paul says it. 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen. 13. He, he's, telling, he's talking to the church just like he's talking to us. And he says, church, I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion. So these are people that are devoted. They are fully devoted followers of Jesus. And Paul's nervous. He's like, listen, I know the evil one. I know what he does. I know how evil he is and how good he is at what he does. Your undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted. I'm scared it's going to be corrupted. I'm worried you're going to fall off the path. Just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. Man. The devil. Let's just take the second half of the verse real quick. Your enemy in your life, it isn't your ex. 
The devil wants you to believe that. Your enemy isn't your spouse that you're fighting with right now. It's not your kids that some days you can't stand. It's not the coworker that you, that you loathe seeing. It's not the person that backstabbed you. It's not the institution that turned their back on you. That's not the enemy. Remember the second part of the scripture we're learning today? The Lord's Prayer? But deliver us from the evil one. So interesting how Jesus words that. I think sometimes we get so complacent and so comfortable in our Christianity that, that we don't even understand we're on, we're, we're some days we're on the side of the devil and we don't even know it. Of course you don't know it. You're deceived. And I have been too. It doesn't make you bad. It just makes you deceived. Why would God say that? Or why would Jesus say that? Deliver us from the evil one. Je Jesus, what are you saying? You're saying I'm with the evil one? I mean, if you're in jail and you're like, God, deliver me from jail, that means you're probably in jail. If you're in addiction and you're like, God, deliver me from addiction, you're probably in addiction. Deliver us from the evil one. Jesus, you, I ain't with the evil one. I mean, they might be, but I'm not. And Jesus is like, you need to be careful. See, this world, it's not of God. We're not of this world when you're in Christ. The prince of the world is the devil. Okay? Now, now God's in sovereign and Jesus is on the throne. I'm not disputing that. But I'm telling you, you read scripture, it, we are going backwards every step of the way, when you, especially when you walk out of here. It is a conveyor belt moving backwards. And unless you're pursuing God with everything you got, you are seeking him with all of your heart, you are going backwards in your walk with Jesus. Deliver us from the evil one. Oh my God, have you been deceived ever? Have you ever thought to yourself, how did I get here? Holy crap, we were, in love a, we were in love a year ago, and now we're signing divorce papers? How did I get here? I used to have money in my account. How am I filing bankruptcy again? H how did it happen? God, all I did, I just, it was a quick search on social media. Old flame, I was just wondering what they were up to. It was a couple playful text messages. Didn't think it'd add, add up to anything. It was a lunch. We went to lunch. Big deal. We're just catching up. Really? Is that what you're doing? Ask yourself, what am I doing? Why am I making this decision? Where is it going to lead? What is the end? It was just a website. My buddy said, check it out. I never dreamed it would leave me in bondage for 10 plus years. Monty, it's just a hit. Just try this. I don't know. I, I normally have just drank before. I've never done that. Oh, it's, what's the big deal? It's, we're just partying. <laughs> never dreamed. Never dreamed it would lead to a drug addiction that would cripple me for years. Never dreamed. I, if I would have saw, saw the hook beyond the bait, but it, but it looks so fascinating. It looks so thrilling. I didn't see the killing. I wrote down, I wrote down, I, bet, I was a drug addict before I became a pastor, if you're new. Been to rehab a couple times. Never dreamed that'd be my story. Of course you didn't dream it would be your story. When you're, when you're in the moment, you never see it. It's called deception. Just try it once, I put. I said I would have never tried it. I, I never would have. I can honestly tell you, if I would have saw then what the end was, the pain that I inflicted on people that I love, the deception, the circles of deception and lies that it caused, the mistrust that still even can haunt me today. I never dreamed. I wrote down, I would have never taken it. 
I would have never taken the bait had I seen the hook. Had I seen the consequences, had I seen the hurt, had I seen the pain. And some of you today, right now, watching online, in the room today, listening, whatever you're doing, you know pain. Because some of you, you're in it. And that's why God brought you here today. And the pain is so deep and it's so intense and it's such a struggle. And some of you, maybe you're in it, some of you, you've just gotten out of it, or some of you, unfortunately, it's going to be coming. I know pain and you think, how did it happen? How did this moment get here? How can I be in so much pain? And I want to encourage you. The pain that you're feeling right now, the pain that you're going through, the problems that you're facing are not near as big as the power available to you through Jesus Christ. That's why he came. He came to deliver you from pain. He came to deliver you from temptation, from the evil one. Oh, it's good news. Thank you, Jesus. The other side of temptation is never better than what God has for you. It never is. The other side of temptation is, is never better than what God has for you. So this week, I'm reading with a group of guys in a group we do, reading through the, the Word of God. It's just, oh man, 10 minutes a day in the Word of God for the rest of your days will change your days. I never believed it until I, until I believed it. Never believed it until I did it, just being honest. So we're reading through 1 Timothy. And I read this section, and I'm like, God's like, you got to share it. So I got to be obedient, got to share it. Because as Paul's writing this to a guy named Timothy, his, his, his protege, his, his, his mentee, he's writing it. And what Paul says about himself, I'm like, that's me. And you might even think, that's you. Listen to this. Oh my gosh, you came for good news? Get ready. 1 Timothy 1, 15, 16. This is a trustworthy saying. Everyone should accept it. You're everyone. I'm everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Thank you. And I, listen to Paul, this is me. I am the worst of them all. God, I felt that. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me, you, as a prime example of the great patience with even the worst sinners. I always say, God, if God can do something in me, my God, he can do something in you. Then others will realize that they too, you, you, you too, say me too, you too can believe in him and receive eternal life. I just, oh my God, I, I heard that. I'm like, these people need to know there's hope beyond this world. You need to know there's hope beyond that temptation. There's hope beyond your sin. There's hope beyond your dysfunction. And it's so amazing. They can receive eternal life. That was the goal from the beginning, by the way. It was. The garden is supposed to be forever. A perfect place. That was the goal all along. But we had to have free will. God knew it. He doesn't want to be a, a dictator. He doesn't want to be a puppeteer. He wants to be your father. So it's interesting that Jesus, in the word of God, as you read it, you're going to find, you're going to see stuff that look weird. Like, like, in the New Testament, they'll call Jesus sometimes the second Adam. And you're like, what? I don't get it. So, so the second Adam, so the first Adam who was perfect, Adam and Eve, Adam was perfect. And he's in a perfect place. And, and, and then there's the second Adam, which is Jesus. And I thought about that. And you know what I thought? I thought, I wrote it down. Adam met the evil one. Remember the serpent in the garden? Adam met the evil one in a beautiful garden. Isn't that beautiful? You know where Jesus encountered the evil one? In a barren desert. Adam 
what was literally, he had no needs in the garden. Jesus, he had nothing for 40 days and 40 nights. Adam would give in to temptation, which invites sin into the world and death into the world. But Jesus, Jesus never gave up. Jesus never gave in. And at the cross, Jesus would defeat sin. He would defeat death. He would defeat the devil. I mean, we have hope because of that. We got joy because of that. We got a second chance because of that. Somebody shout Jesus in this place. He's the answer. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ, by the way. That Jesus Christ lived a perfect life. Never gave in in the desert. Never gave in in the garden. Never gave in all along the way. And ultimately went on a cross and died. Remember what we keep saying. Good people don't go to heaven. Bad people don't go to hell. Forgiven people go to heaven. Saved people go to heaven. Unforgiven people go to hell. Unsaved people go to hell. (laughs) Don't be deceived by the devil. I will give you truth, I promise, all day long. He is a deceiver. There's a lot of people that will never see Jesus or never meet God in heaven because I'm a good person. Are you you a saved person? What do you mean saved? I mean, have you called on the name of Jesus? Have you literally called on his name? You're dead in temptation without him, by the way. There is no hope. You have no hope. You will not win temptation, that battle. You're unarmored. you're, You're just a sitting duck. But with Christ in you, oh my gosh. So the Bible says, call on the name of Jesus. Believe he went to the cross. But not just there, believe he rose from the dead three days later. That's the game changer, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when you believe in that and ask Jesus to come into you and forgive you, remember forgiven people go to heaven? Forgive me, Jesus. Oh, my disobedience. Oh, giving into temptation. Oh, all the sins I've done. He forgave Paul. Paul murdered people. Paul's in heaven today. Guarantee you, Paul's in heaven today. It's not about good or bad. It's about, it's about forgiven, unforgiven. Jesus Christ is the way. And as I think about that, and some of you, if you're watching online, I'll, I'll never stop telling you, you type I choose Jesus in comments. We will connect with you. We will love you. In the room, you got cards to, to mark your decisions. I just want you to have a chance against the evil one. Without Christ in you, there is no hope. There is no chance. I just want to lovingly tell you that. Remember how I said start with the end in mind? Remember that? We started with James 1.13, if you don't remember. You know what it says in James 1.12? James started with the end in mind when he wrote the book of James. James 1.12, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Oh, I want that blessing. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. I want that crown of life, and you can have it. It won't be by what you do or don't do. It's what you believe or don't believe. Sell out to the King of King and Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. He overcame temptation. He overcame sin. He overcame death. And you can do the same. Call on his name. Surrender to him. That's the gospel. It's for everybody, but most people won't do it. That's what the word says. We're not most people. We are Meadows Church. Sell out. Sell out. Sell out. Sell out. He will help you combat temptation. So we've been ending every message almost by you having note cards on your chairs and writing things and giving them to the Lord up in these vases up here. I wrote this down. There's power in God's word, and the rest of the band can come up if they're not up. There's power in God's word. Why do I get so excited about the word of God? 
I know there's power in it. I know it's your only offensive weapon you got. Every lie the enemy has told us can be replaced with the truth. Recognize the enemy wants to destroy you and he will stop at nothing. But you can shed light on the lies and claim God's truth over your life. Ask God to show you lies you're believing in areas of your life. Write them down. What lies, the lies that you're believing. You're going to write down temptations that you give into, temptations where you're vulnerable, weak spots where you need help. You're going to write them on the note card. You're going to give them to God. I wrote, write them down. Get specific. Ask God to show you areas of temptation, desire, deception, disobedience. Where, where are you at in that, in that stage, in that progression? Write them down. Bring them to the altar during the final song. In a minute, the prayer team's going to come up. They'll be in the back room, that prayer room. They'll be up here. As you drop your cards off in here during the song, prayer team will be up here. Let them pray with you. God, don't come to church needing prayer and leave without it. That's insanity. Do not do that. The only thing that would stop you from praying with somebody when you need it is what? What's the evil one? He's our enemy. He would stop you. Don't let him win. He's already been defeated. Why would you let him win? He's already been defeated. I'm going to pray for you. And then you'll continue to write. And then you'll come up. I love you. God loves you way more than I ever could. I don't know what you're going through today, but I know that God purposely brought you here, had you click online to hear a word that is supposed to give you incredible hope. It is a battle. Life is hard, but we're in it together with Christ at the center. And when that's the case, the gates of hell will not prevail. I promise you. Do whatever the Lord is telling you to do. Let me pray. Father, Oh my gosh, breakthrough. We want it in so many areas of our life and you want to give it to us. The question is, will we do our part? I believe even as the church is thinking and writing down areas of struggle, areas of vulnerability, areas of temptation, areas of weakness, they're getting real with you, God, and you love when we take steps of faith. People are going to surrender their life to you. People are going to sell out to you today, God. Our, our enemy is not anybody else. It is the devil. God, help us see how he is lying to us. Uh, uh, let me, I'm just gonna pray in first person. Help me. And when I say me, I'm, I'm, you, you say you, man. Help me know that you came for me. Help me not make permanent decisions based on temporary feeling. God, help me with that. Help the enemy, or, or God, excuse me, while the enemy wants to destroy me, I know that you came to give me life. That's what your word says. You came to give me life to the full. I speak the name of Jesus over my life. There's power in the name of Jesus. I declare that no weapon formed against me will ever prosper. And devil will speak directly to you right now that you might see me stumble, you might see me struggle, but you will never see me quit because greater is he that is in me than anything in this world. If you believe it, acknowledge it, give God praise. 15 seconds. Father, have your way. Church, I love you. I love the word of God. The Lord, the spirit of the Lord is in this place. The gospel has gone, for, gone forth. Now it's our turn, God. Help us do what you're calling us to do right now. We love you. We love you. We love you. We believe in you. Believing today and forever that if you're in us and we're in you, Oh man, the best is truly yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray and we all say,
Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today, but don't stop there. I invite you to like or subscribe to our social channels. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, would you consider sharing this message with a friend, coworker, family member? I mean, so many people need hope and encouragement and you have the ability to bring it directly to them. Finally, one more thing. I wanna ask that you would consider giving financially to this ministry. I mean, God has done so much, but yet we believe he wants to do so much more, like so many more people he wants to reach, so much more hope he wants to give, so many more lives that he wants to save, and your investment can help make that happen. So again, thank you so much. I love you, and God loves you more. God bless you.